If you blink now, forever hold your dying wish When you set your goal, don't give up on it Remind yourself every morning, noon and night I was born for this, and it's worth the fight Welcome back to the show, guys. You know, my show, this platform, it's all about everyone's story. I believe everyone's story is valuable at the end of the day. Does not matter what walk of life you come from. You are all welcome on this platform. And let's include everyone. You know, let's end the stigma around mental health, addictions, whatever stigmas out there people are afraid to talk about. We're going to talk about them on the show and make those people afraid to talk, not to talk about those things. But a little bit about today's guest, you know, we got Liam McVarnick. He's all the way from the East Coast of Canada, Halifax, Nova Scotia to be exact. He's a personal trainer, endurance athlete. And we're going to be talking about this crazy, crazy double Ironman that he's going to be doing to raise $100,000, hopefully for charity down in the East Coast. He's into personal development. You know, he's a mentor and talks about being a mentor to others and just about love, compassion, and being present. Buckle up, strap that seatbelt in, and hold on to your seat, guys. You can leap past your fears and trust you'll stick a perfect landing. Remember to follow your heart if it scares the daylights out of you. You're off to a good Welcome back to another episode of the podcast, From the Depths of Darkness to the Light of Success. I am your host, Chris Swick, as you already know. You know, this podcast is about sharing everyone's story. At the end of the day, I believe everyone's story is valuable. does not matter what walk of life you come from. I'd like to introduce to you my next guest, Liam McVarnock. He is from the West, not the West Coast. We were just talking about the West Coast before we came on, but the East Coast of Canada from Nova Scotia, guys. Want to take it away and let them know a little bit about yourself? Yeah, so I'm from the East Coast of Canada, uh, Nova Scotia, born and raised. Uh, I'm a 24-year-old personal trainer slash endurance athlete. Uh, So when I'm not helping other people with their fitness or their health goals, I'm doing some crazy athletic and physical goals myself. Uh, Last year, we did a big charity event. And this year, we're going to do a bigger charity event, which we're going to talk about. Yeah, let's talk. Let's dive right into that charity event that you're doing, you know, like, It's a pretty wild thing, like from what he told me, guys, before we came on the show and he sent me some messages about it. But why don't you tell him a little bit about this? Yeah, so like to start it off, I guess we should maybe take it back a tiny bit to give them a little bit of a a backstory. Okay. Um, So like last year when the COVID pandemic started uh, in March 2020 for Canada, um. I was signed up for a lot of, or not a lot, two different races that were 100 kilometers or more running. They got canceled. We ended up doing our own event, which was a 176 kilometer run from the most iconic, I guess you could say like the tourist hub of Nova Scotia. Like if you've ever seen a picture of Nova Scotia, you've probably seen like the lighthouse and it's like Peggy's Cove. It's iconic. So we started there and then we ran to where the worst shooting in Canadian history happened, Porter Peak. And we managed to raise 12K, $12,000 for a youth mentorship in Nova Scotia. And Chris, something happened that we didn't expect, which it felt really good given that back and like the impact that people told us it had on them. So this year, we're going to try and raise $100,000 
and we're doing it's just longer than a double Ironman triathlon and it spans almost all of Nova Scotia that is wild like let's break down this new one that you guys have come up with because it's a double like more than a double Ironman you're saying so for anyone that doesn't know what an Ironman is you want to break it down for them yeah so an Ironman triathlon it was founded back I think in the 80s don't quote me on the island of um Oahu, Hawaii, I think. Um, but it's a 3.8 kilometer swim. Then it's a 180 kilometer bike. Actually, so 2.4 mile swim, two for the Americans, 180 or 112 mile bike ride, and a 42.2 kilometer or 26 mile run to finish is an Ironman triathlon. That alone is crazy. <laughs> that is crazy. It took me a year to train for one of those. And I didn't feel human after doing it, Chris. So what are we going to do naturally? We're going to up it uh, and we're going to try and do an 11 kilometer ocean swim. So two and a half times, a 440 kilometer swim, which is like 2.3, 2.4 times, and then an 85 kilometer run to finish it all. And we're going to try and do this in like literally one weekend. And is it all of you doing it together or is it uh, like a sort of teams or is it like each individual for themselves? We're a team, but it is individual. So it's like me and two close buddies and we're just going to, we're going to line up on the water the the morning of, and then we're just going to, we're going to pour our heart and soul into it. We're going to send it. And if one of us makes it great, if none of us make it, it happens. If we all make it great. And so when are you guys doing this, planning to do this? Uh, As of right now, it's a semi-firm date for September 17th. Uh, This year, like... It'll be a little chill. (laughs) out there in the ocean that day actually the ocean's about a month behind uh like okay. the actual air temperatures on ground so the ocean should be pretty um pretty prime for the swim at that time um the thing that scares us the most most chris besides the distances is uh wind because it's up in the cape breton highlands is where we start which is like picture scotland is what it looks like uh but the wind if, it, if we get in like a north a northwest or a northeast wind it's going to be a long day that Long swim isn't going to be fun, is it? No. And like personally, this is like just me speaking. But when I b- swim, I usually breathe to my left. The chop's going to be coming from our left. So I'm having to relearn how to breathe now when I swim to go the other way. Because if not, I'm just going to be drinking seawater the whole time. And so how are you guys training for this? Like I see some of your posts on you know Instagram and stuff like that. You, you're doing some pretty hardcore training, whether it's indoors with your bike and stuff like that. And you guys just got set up with these new bikes and stuff too. Yeah, so the training was going really good. It still is going good now, but like Nova Scotia, just like Ontario, we're back into lockdown now. So all gyms, all non-essential businesses are shut. I'm not even allowed to leave like technically downtown Halifax is where I am. I'm not even allowed to leave downtown Halifax, they say. So I'm running and I'm biking right now. I'm not swimming. But yeah, we have shout out to Cyclesmith in Halifax. They kitted us out with bikes and trainers. My coach is just kind of beating me up a bit in a nice way. She's programming a lot of runs, a lot of, uh, you know, physio exercises because I, I tore my knee last year uh, and some bike workouts. So we're putting our heart and soul into it, Chris. And so you, yeah, let's talk about a little bit about that injury because I do believe that happened during your last little thing for charity last year, did it not? Yeah, it did. So it's kind of funny. I don't, to this day, I don't know fully what happened in my body. I had this sharp pain in my right knee. And to put it in perspective, for like 14 hours at that point, my my whole body was in pain. It's not like I wasn't used to pain. That's like, it was expected. But this was like, a, I tore my ACL before. And this was like a sharp burning pain, kind of like that. But it was my right knee that stopped me the day of the race. But it was my left knee that I actually, when I got the MRI that was torn. 
my kind of guess, this is a hypothesis, is that when I did the crutches for three hours or so, you know, four kilometers on the crutches, I was striking the ground with my left foot. And I think that maybe that extra compensation on that left side might have overdid it on my previous injuries in my left knee from football. Oh, that's crazy. So did you play football in university or just high school? No, high school, man. I had the university pipe dream like most young athletes do. (laughs) One ACL and one meniscus surgery later, and I kind of got real with myself and kind of readjusted to what else I could do. And so after you had had those injuries, which route did you go then? Like I I wasn't sure. Like like a lot of 18-year-olds, I had no clue what I wanted to do with my life. A lot of my friends were going to university. They were going to trade school. I didn't love school, Chris. I'll be honest with you. I was a very bad student. Like myself? Yeah, I'd copy off the pretty girls in my class and I'd skip class and I'd go work out instead. You know, I'd go home and sleep on my off block. Like I just, I, I wasn't into it. I took the year off after school to figure out what I wanted to do. And I convinced two of my friends, one of them backed out, but one of them did come and we moved to Australia for the year. And how did that go? How was Australia? Did you just go there <laughs> just to have fun? Yeah, like we got working holiday visas so we could support ourselves. Because like, uh, I come from an immigrant family, like my dad immigrated to Canada, uh, when he was like a baby. Uh, they're from like Belfast. So my grandfather, during the, the height of the troubles was in the UK Navy. Long story short, when they immigrated to Canada, we've never been poor, but we've never been rich. So I've always had this kind of mentality of bootstrapping it myself a bit. Uh, so with Australia, it's like, same thing and say, like, okay, we can have fun, but we got to work because we don't want to ask mommy and daddy for money. Uh, so we did weird jobs, man. We did construction. I did door-to-door sales for five months, just commission. I picked cherries in the Outback. Like there was no job I wouldn't do to avoid asking my parents for money. I've heard that too about, you know, sometimes some people, if you need to renew your visa over there, because I've had friends that have gone over there, they'll send you out to pick pick fruits. That's one of the, your jobs you get to do for a few months just to prove yourself that you want to be here again. Yeah. Well, so if you want to get your second year working holiday visa, they have shortages in certain regional air areas where the locals don't want to do the work. So if you're in a certified regional area, yeah, you might pick fruit. You might work in a pub in a town of 300 people and that might sign you off. But yeah, you need 88 days signed off by the right person saying, hey, he did his farm work or she did her farm work. Uh, so you can apply for that second visa. And then so where most did you live in Australia when you were there? Uh, we started off in Sydney, which if I'm going to give an example for our Canadian listeners, Sydney is like the Toronto of Australia. And then we lived in Melbourne, which is kind of like the Montreal of Australia. The Montreal, one of my favorite cities in Canada. Oh, it's so cool. And it's so hip and it's so vibrant. And, and Montreal, uh, sorry. Melbourne is the same way. So we lived there between the two for about 10 months. Then we spent about a month in the outback in towns called Shepparton and Griffith. Uh, And that's when we were picking cherries. We were uh, fruit pickers. Uh, and then we spent a month of our visa in Thailand too. It was me and eight friends from my hostel in Sydney. We all went to Thailand for three and a half weeks. And that was so much fun. I've heard Thailand, I've heard some awesome stories in Thailand and stuff like that. My brother went there for I think six weeks a few years ago and he, he absolutely loved it. Oh, it's unreal. And it's like the, the people are funny, they're cheeky, the food's incredible, the weather's obviously great. It's a little expensive considering you're in Asia, but like still compared to Canada, it's cheap. So it's like, it's really, it was a really good time. That's awesome, man. If there's one piece of advice you could give like a graduate, if you were talking to a graduating class, whether high school or college students, what's one good piece of advice you would give them? You don't need to have all the answers now. Go try a bunch of different stuff. Because like, you know, nobody knows fully what they want to do. There's a bunch of 40 year olds in a career that don't know what they want to do. 
So it's like, don't put the pressure on yourself to know it all now. Go taste a bunch of different things and see what you like doing that you kind of are naturally good at. And then once you know that, then you can go deeper. But like, you don't need to commit $80,000 of student loans before you know you really want to do something. No, I like that you say that because, you know, like you like yourself, I could care less for school. I tried many different things, you know, I got myself in lots of shit, you know, whether it was going down the path I was going with the drugs and alcohol and stuff like that. I tried so many different things. You know, I tried the trade thing. Oh, okay, that one wasn't for me. Tried, you know, driving truck. I tried delivering. I worked in warehouses. I did lots of things. But once I got clean and sober this time, I was like, you know, and I'm in my late 30s now, I, you know, a couple of years, about a year ago, a year and a half ago, I decided, you know, I, people kept pushing me. You have the gift to gab, Chris. You love chatting with people. Why don't you get into sales? So here I am, you know, doing car sales now and absolutely love it. Well, it's just, you know, it's like finding, what book was it? It might have been, I think it was called Changemaker, a book by Do- Dr. John Bariotti. He's a nutrition, uh, he runs a nutrition company called Precision Nutrition. Uh, and in his book, he talks about finding like your, your, your natural calling and something that you're good at and trying to find a way where you can optimize your time in that category of something that you're naturally good at and you enjoy doing. And then trying to outsource a lot of the other things in your life to things that you aren't as naturally inclined and aren't as good enough. As an example, like I'm creating a show right now, Chris, and I hate editing video. I don't like marketing. So what did we do? We brought on a group of videographers who are incredible at what they do and they love telling stories via video. And then we have a marketing guy who's, you know, he's worked product sales and product marketing forever and he loves it. And then I get to talk to people, which is what I love. And I get to do the fitness. So now we have this strong team and it's literally just because we're all doing what we love and it doesn't feel like work, but we we amplify each other. And I like that you say that. Like I've heard you know, you brought up that book that you just talked about there. I've heard that from another mentor of mine, Doug Dane, who's uh, works under Proctor and Gallagher, which, you know, I don't know if you've heard of Bob Proctor, but he huge, huge, uh, you know, motivational speaker. And he's like, and he has like these programs. I don't know if you've read Think and Grow Rich. Oh, yeah. Napoleon Hill. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but he, he really, his, his program sort of based around that book and beyond sort of thing. But, and then he has his own program. He's been around since like the I think late early sixties, this guy, he's like in his eighties oh, wow. now, but he, okay. you know, so, he's like, so he's, like the, stuff. he's like the old school, he, like Tony Robbins came up under him and stuff like that too. Like that, those oh, type. Wow, okay. and then Tony Robbins, you know, created his own thing then, you know, and went his direction, but Doug Dane works under him and stuff like that. But he says the same thing. If, outsource things you know if you don't like cleaning your house get a cleaning lady you know just shit like that you know what i mean and or you know you don't know how to do the work on your car you get someone else to do it just like you said though too with, i like that you said that about the videography and you know get people that know what they're doing i love doing the podcasting part but i have a guy that does my sound yeah and puts together my episodes for me and stuff like that and does all that because i'm not the greatest of that but i do the rest of my work but it's you're so right though like you can free up so much of your time doing the things you like if you you know, get other people to do the things you don't like to do. A hundred percent. And if they, if it's contrasting enough and they really enjoy doing that thing you don't like doing, but you can do something they don't enjoy doing. Now you have a very mutually beneficial relationship. So it's like to the deep core of it, like you guys are, the chance of success is so much higher because you get to both focus on what you love and both of your mission critical is going in the same direction. So it's just a win-win. It's just like the perfect scenario. No, I like that you brought that up, though, man. It's it's awesome to have that little chat about that because it's so true, though. Like, and then 
like you said, it just creates this stronger bond between you and your team then too. Yeah, 100%. Take us now back to where can people find and donate to your charity that you would, well, that you're um, double Ironman or beyond that you're going to be doing later on this summer. Where can people find that and donate so that you can raise this money and stuff like that? That's a that's a great question. As of right now, so it's May, uh, we don't have the link live right now. We've given the link to like certain private donors who want to donate like, you know, like companies and stuff. We actually are trying to build a bit of a campaign, if I guess you could call it, to like figure out the best way to really drive media attention to hit our goal of 100,000. There's going to be a web page on Big Brothers Big Sisters website, uh, and I'm going to link it through all my social media pages once it's live. That'll probably be sometime in like middle to late June, but it'll be through Big Brothers Big Sisters. Oh, is that who the donation's going to this year? Exactly. It's same as last year, actually, because I was a... I was a mentor for them and my sister's been involved with them for like three years. So, you know, we, we know them, they do great work. I believe mentorship's so important. So it's like, it's, it's an easy pick. No, and it is very important, especially to help out the younger generation and stuff like that and just give them some guidance. It's, it's much needed in this world today. A hundred percent. And like, you don't know who you affect. You could only help 10 people, but one of those 10 people might be the next Martin Luther King. So it's like, you don't know. And like, it's like some, the thing with kids is a lot of them who are getting the help don't have a choice. None, none of the cards dealt with them were their choice. So if you can alleviate some pressure or give somebody a positive beacon or a path to look down that they can get excited about, that's worth its weight in gold for the future of our society. Most definitely, man. It, it definitely is worth its weight in gold. And it gives you like a sense of someone yourself, like gives yourself, you know, a sense of love and compassion too, that you can give back to someone and help them out through whether it be through their struggles and just give the shirt off your back and put yourself in their shoes for the day. A hundred percent. It's the most, I don't know how you frame it. Maybe the most selfish, unselfish thing you can do is give to other people because it fills you up so much that you feel like you're getting more out of it, but they're obviously getting a lot out of it too. So it's like this, so it's a win-win for everybody involved. And and for others that don't know about big brothers and big sisters, how can people get involved if they want to get involved with them? The best way would definitely be time. Like if you have time you can give, that's the most valuable asset on this earth. So they have different programs for mentorship for where you could go directly to a school and meet with a kid once a week. Now with COVID-19, that might not be full swing right now, but they also have like the most common is the big brother or big sister program where you would, you would get matched with a, a child and you would take them out somewhere in the community, like once a week or once every two weeks. And you just do fun stuff with them. Like, you know, if the kid loves drawing, maybe you take them to like a DIY cafe where you can like do some art together. Or maybe you take them to go get ice cream and rollerblade. It's like whatever the kid's into, but it's just like being that positive role model for someone and showing someone that, you know, maybe they come from a place of like your shows about like maybe there's substance abuse in their house, but they can see a positive, healthy role model in you. And then they can see what they actually want to be. So it's just like, there's so many ways you can help, but your time is the biggest asset you could give. Why did you get involved? Like, were you a part of it growing up as well? Or No, I, I actually wasn't involved with it growing up. And I, I'm blessed because I had, you know, a lot of the kids involved in the program might come from a single parent home. And I'm, I'm so lucky. I had two loving parents. I had a sister, I had a brother, but my sister has been involved with them for at least three years now. She's got the the philanthropic soul in the family and she's also the the brains of the family. Last year, I just, I had some extra time. Uh, I was working a job that I was busy and I was training and I was busy, but I wasn't, I wanted to give back. A lot of people did kind things for me when I was traveling, Chris, 
And I felt like it was kind of my time to start pouring something back into the universe. Nice. So I, I put, my, put my name forward and I got a match and I was involved for about three months until the COVID pandemic hit, started thinking about other ways we could help them. And that's awesome that you, you know, were able to donate $12,000 back to him last year and fingers crossed you're able to hit that 100K mark this year and stuff like that. So if there's anyone out there listening to this show and stuff and you're looking to get involved, I'm sure you guys can contact Liam uh, through his Instagram page too. Oh, 100%. Uh, it's going to be... The front of my page, once the link is live and available, like last year during the run, I, w- I wish we were connected at the time, Chris, but like somebody will take over my social media and you'll get to watch me for 48 hours straight, go into the depths of darkness myself and really figure out what I'm made of and try and do something cool in the process. So let's talk about that a little bit, this training and stuff. Like how does it, you know, put it bluntly, does it fuck with your mental health? Oh, def- well, definitely. But I find times it also saves my mental health. Okay. So like what I mean by that is like as the volume ramps up. So let's say this week, this is an example, but let's say this week I do 15 hours of cardio. Each week getting ready for that event, it's probably going to increase by like let's say 10% or 20%. So by the time it's August and the race in September, I'll have weeks where I'm doing a 10-hour bike ride on Saturday and a 4-hour run on Sunday. And you know, it just it the volume gets like unhuman. And since it's triathlon, you need to swim, you need to bike, you need to run, you need to do strength training. So you're, you're bulletproofing your limbs, you need to do mobility. And then you also got to eat for a full time job. And if you have a full time job, you have to do that. And if you have a family and friends, like, it's just it's a lot. So sometimes it could feel overwhelming. But also if you're stressed about life, and then you do a, a two hour swim or a 10 hour bike ride, your bike gets pretty simple during that time, or your life gets pretty simple during that time. It's just what am I doing in the now? And then like you get very present very quickly. So how how do you stay focused during these like grueling bike rides and runs or swims? I, I know it sounds weird, but I talk to myself like in my head, like I'm like, I really like, it's a really good time for me to dissect with like, what's going on in my life? Am I happy? Am I, am I unhappy? Uh, what am I, why am I doing this? That's a question I ask myself a lot. Like why, why am I here right now? Um, I also like to try and relate it back to like who it's affecting because it's not just me. So like after the big run, for example, Chris, there was two, there was three stories actually, all very contrasting, but I was at a family barbecue and a family friend came up to me and he was probably a 45 to 50 year old male. And he was nearly on the verge of tears. He was definitely intoxicated too, which probably didn't help his emotional condition at the time. (laughs) But he came up to me and he put his arm around me and it was a great five. Everyone's having a good time, summer, you know, party. And he said, look, man, what what you guys did for Big Brothers Big Sisters really touched me because I didn't have a good family life growing up. My parents were alcoholics. I had a big brother through Big Brothers Big Sisters for 13 years. There was a lot of times when I felt like quitting on everything. And my big brother was what pulled me through those dark times. He's like, so what you did really, really struck struck home for me. And he's like, I, yeah, he's like, I appreciate everything you guys did. And that like, that was like an arrow through my heart. I was like, oh, wow. Like, we were just a couple guys trying to like test ourselves and have fun and raise some money in the process. But then you do something like this for someone, you're like, whoa, what kind of effect are we actually having? No, and it really like makes you think like the effect, the things that you're doing. Yeah, you're putting your body through all this, putting like all this pain and stuff. There's no doubt about it, the things that you're doing. But also the effect, the ripple effect you're going to have on everyone else down the road too. It, it you know, it goes hand in hand. A hundred percent. And then like, so that's story one. So then like story two is like, we're at the Airbnb in Porta Peak directly after the big run. 
I don't feel human. My brother, <laughs> my brother's a medic in the military, Chris. For the four days after the run, he had to help me get dressed. I couldn't dress myself. We had, it was nine o'clock at night. We had been consuming some cannabis and some alcohol. And we get a text from the Airbnb host, which normally would not be a good sign. But she she sent me a text and just said, hey, my grandson really wants to meet you. And I was like, oh, wow, okay. And it was like nine o'clock. So I was like, okay, sure. And she's like, okay, we're two minutes away. I was like, oh my God. Okay, so we're going to do this now. So he rocks up and he's this, I think he's in the third grade he was, I think. And he was super shy. He wouldn't look me in the eye, Chris. And then after a while, I looked up and I was like, hey, how's it going, little man? Like, what's going on? What's your name? And he was like, hey, all this. He's like, I've been following all your updates on the run. It's really cool. He's like, me and my friend are going to try and run 5k next week. He's like, it's really, he's like, I really think it's cool what you did. He's like, I want to, I want to get into running. And I was like, whoa, I was like, like, you know, this is like, this is the youth. This is the future in Nova Scotia. And like to have that effect on someone like that, again, like it just filled our cup up so high that I was like, okay, how can we level this up and like do something bigger for our, for our home? And so that, and then is there another story? There is one more. And it was actually at the finish line of the big run. There was... And this is during the COVID pandemic too. Like bear this in mind because this matters for the story. But it's at the, it was at the memorial directly before they moved the memorial where all the reefs and all the, you know, pictures of the victims were. And there was a woman, I'm not going to guess her age because you shouldn't guess a lady's age, but I'm guessing she was probably a great grandmother. She came up to us with her walker, nice and slow, calculated. And she looks at me with a smile and she's like, you're Liam, aren't you? And I was like, yeah, I'm Liam. And she's like, I've been watching you on the news, dearie. And she's like, I wanted to give you such a big, such a big hug and kiss. She's like, you're such a sweet young man. You remind me of my grandson. She's like, I, I lost someone in the shooting and it's been tired for the last, you know, a couple weeks, but what you guys did really meant a lot to me. So I felt like I had to come out of my house and come down here personally and give you this donation. She get, handed me $200. Wow. And she's like, it's really incredible what you guys did. You're, you should be proud young man. Like she just told us how much it affected her. And this is like, she's probably in between 80 and 90. Wow. Like, so it's like to see like the eight-year-old, the 45-year-old man, and the eight, like to see the contrast, imagine all the people that didn't come out forward and talk to us. Yeah. No, and imagine like the ripple effect you're going to have, you know, not only last year, but now you've amplified it up, man, and what you're going to do. Like, you, and you guys are going to be documenting this whole this whole thing too, aren't you? We've been kind of self-vlogging some of the some of the highs and lows so far and sending it to the videographers. And then the day of the event, we are so blessed because we have all these sponsors this year that are going to help us tackle this thing. What are some of your big sponsors, man? Should we give them some shout outs here? We should give them some shout outs. Uh, we'll start with uh, CycleSmith and Halifax Bikes. If you need anything bike related, they're your people. Uh, Fraser Way RVs. Um, they were super generous and they didn't ask for anything in return they literally just said you guys are doing something amazing let us know what you need so fraser way rvs uh maritime cryotherapy they've been getting us back to um back to running shape and coastal sports and wellness they've been giving us physiotherapy uh we have some other sponsors but we gotta hash out some stuff but those those four right there definitely amazing people good products too i wouldn't vouch for someone if they were preaching crap fair enough and don't need to worry about your language on this show okay cool <laughs> no and that's awesome though the way you can give back man I, I like i see it in the passion i hear it in your voice too man so i, I like i'm super proud of you i've never you know this is the first time i've virtually met you but you know it'd be awesome to get down there sometime to shake your hand man to man though definitely man it's uh i feel like everyone's gonna have a whole lot of human connection to make up for after this thing is behind us 
so the Act Studio shake someone's hand, look them in the eye, share a, a beer if you drink alcohol, a coffee, a meal, and actually connect with someone. It's I would I would love that, Chris. Yeah, no, it would be truly amazing to do that and just to see the passion, like I said there earlier, in your voice and like what you're doing and and you're doing it for the right reasons too. It's not like you're doing it like they like to say for the clout, but <laughs> you know you're, you're you're not doing it for fame or nothing. You're doing it to give back, like because like you said earlier, you're you know it's time for you to give back to the community or beyond because you were given like and helped out so much especially on your travels there to australia and thailand sort of thing oh man like there were so many times when like we were lost in a place with no cell service gonna miss something and like it's like the universe was conspiring for us where like a local came out of nowhere and was like hey you look lost are you trying to get to this ferry or this plane oh no you need to go this way or they bring a cab driver and speak in their local language like like just so many like getting picked up in the middle of the outback at like two in the morning when we were not going to get home there was no way we were going to sleep outside and then someone random local picks us up three guys at 2 a.m in the middle of nowhere and trusted to pick us up like there's just yeah it's the universe works in cool ways it's a different country down there i've talked to like i have some fellow podcasters i network with and he and, you know, after like he's heard some of the stories of the people that come, especially from like the ghettos of North America and some of the people that I've had on my show. And he's like, man, this it's so much more different down in Australia. And, you know, not to knock because everyone, like I said, has a story. And, you know, it doesn't matter what walk of life you come from. But I, I hear it's amazing down there. I'd love to get down there sometime myself. The, the analogy I like to give, I don't know if it's accurate or not. Maybe an Aussie will comment on this and tell me if I'm <laughs> accurate or not. But Australia reminds me of a Canada that's been flipped temperature wise. So like we're both giant countries. We both Commonwealth. We both have these huge land masses that we use like 10% of. So Canada, we all live in the Southern belt, Australia, they all live on the coast and we're both famously friendly and fun to drink with, except they've been left in the sun too long and we've been left in the cold too long. Only <laughs> I love that. I love your analogy yeah. there. I get it all yeah. the time about you. You must be Canadian without even asking me if I'm Canadian because you're so nice. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's cla- or oat. We say oat in a boat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Rough and roof. <laughs> yeah, 100%. <laughs> Who's someone you'd like to trade places with for a day and why? Whoa. That's a good question. Trade places with for a day and why? Uh, caught me off guard there. One might be... Um, I, I would love to trade place with David Goggins for a day. For those of them that don't know who he is, want to explain? Um, David Goggins is uh, commonly called the world's toughest man. I don't know if that's accurate or not. Um, but he's has an incredible story. I'd recommend listening to his book if you don't know who he is because I've listened to the book probably a dozen times. Um, but he was 300 plus pounds and became a Navy SEAL. And he's run countless ultra marathons and he's put his body through things that you genuinely would not believe they're possible unless you heard it from his own voice, like running on broken legs, taping his shins together to finish hell week in the Navy seals. Like the things this guy's done is endless, like pooping himself in a race and bleeding and then continuing. Like he's just, he's built different. So I'd love to like enter that psyche for a day and figure out how he does it. Now, is that the guy that he's written a book too, right? Yeah, can't hurt me. 
Yeah, yeah, I remember. I think I know the book you're talking about. I think it's the same guy we're talking about then. But yeah, that that guy is amazing, man. Like the shit that he's done, and like I, I've watched some of his motivational stuff too. Yeah, and then also actually Elon Musk. Elon Musk would be another one. <laughs> <laughs> he is a he's a different breed, that man. Yeah, I mean, and if you could unlock his intelligence for the day and just figure out like what he thinks, that'd be really cool to see, like fly on the wall. Uh, well, who would you pick? Who would I pick? I would have to say, well, Eric Thomas. So I don't know if you've ever heard of him. Oh yeah, yeah, motivational speaker. Yeah, he he's amazing, man. Like the and like that guy has a story. And if anyone, you know, go check out his podcast. Just type in Eric Thomas on Spotify wherever you listen. But that guy, like, he came from nothing. He was literally eating garbage out of garbage cans as a child. Like basically living on the streets as a child to where he is today. And like he worked, he's done work with like most of the NBA and NFL teams and stuff like that. Like he's brought some people out of their dark places too, man. Like to see where he's come from though, like you can basically come from nothing and make yourself something, you know what I mean? And in the process, you can teach that blueprint to other people. And it's like, you can actually, you can relate with them on a deep level because you understand you're not just like some outside person that comes in and wants to change them. It's like, here's my story authentically, apply it to your own life as you will. And then I feel like that that authenticity would come through so clean that, yeah, yeah I can understand. I can it, understand it's that. much different than like, like you said, it's like some guy making up this program, but he's never actually lived that life. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I feel if you're going to, you know, live the, that type of life, you have to come from that life or have had something happen to you. You know what I mean? You can't just walk in and create this motivational program. That's just my, this is from my own personal point of view. And just walk in and think you're going to take over the world. But have you actually lived that life though? I, I completely agree. I, I see it all the time in the fitness world where someone who looks good, they just post suddenly they put like fitness expert on their thing. It's like, okay, have you ever coached someone before? Like what degree do you have in the fitness world? Like, you know, what sports team did you work for? What research have you done? Like what, what qualifies you as an expert? And it's like, if you haven't lived it, like, no, I'm not going to buy your booty band program. I'm sorry. But like, it's, yeah, I think if you're going to truly be yourself, you have to live and walk that life. You have to go through all that stuff, go through that process like yourself, like like you seem that you've gone through that process, like the shit you're doing, though, but you've lived that life, though, too, with within the fitness realm. Chris, like when I was a kid growing up, I was always super sporty. I played like every sport I could, but I was always chubby. Like I had terrible nutrition habits. M most of my family is overweight. Like a lot of my family could even be in the obese category. I'll say it. I was really uncomfortable with the way I looked all the way up till about age 14 or 15. I'd go to the pool. I'd go swim with my friends. and I'd keep my hands above my head like this. So you couldn't see like my man boobs. I remember at one point just like snapping and something changed in me. And my parents brought home like KFC and it was like fucking fast food for like the third time that week. And I just snapped and I was like, I'm tired of eating the shit. I'm done eating it. I'm not going to eat it anymore. Start buying me food and teach me how to cook. That from that point onwards, like my life kind of switched to fitness. And that was like 10 years ago. I felt this change. And then I started looking at the person in the mirror and loving what I saw and started actually genuinely like being proud of myself. And then it's like, okay, how can I show people that this is achievable and it's not as complex as sometimes people make it seem? No, it's so true. And, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it doesn't sound like but you also got to not let your ego get in the way either, right? You got to be egoless. Yeah. It's just doing it for yourself. It's like doing it because you love yourself and you want to do it for yourself. You're not doing it for anyone else. But you also want to live that healthier lifestyle because you're going to prolong your life as well. 
you know, I, I'll be straight up and honest. I still got to cut out smoking cigarettes, man. And I'm on to the last thing, you know, I've cut out drugs, booze and all that stuff, but you know, fucking it seems to be hard kicking that habit, but what, I'm learning things in this book, atomic habits though. So <laughs> it's not, nobody's perfect, Chris, and you've oh, made no, a lot of sure. big changes. Uh, so I think if that's the last thing you have to worry about, you're, uh, you're laughing, dude. No, no, I totally get what you're saying. And just eating healthier. I love that you say that though, too. Like, like my partner, I'll even bring it up and put Megan on blast in a good way though. But she, she messaged me. I remember, I know this is all pre-recorded guys, but she messaged me last week and dude, she's doing groceries. She's like, I am not buying, I'm an ice cream. I love fucking ice creams. Yeah. yeah, yeah. (laughs) And, and, but I, but I would get out of control. Like I will buy Ben and Jerry's and if it's on sale, I'll buy five or six of them. You know, but she's like, I am no longer going to be buying junk food for the house because I'm trying to live healthier. And I and she says, if you would like to spend or waste your money or save up your own money to spend out of your own account, you're more than welcome to. But it will be a one-off treat once in a blue moon now. So, and and I'm grateful that she like, and you know, if it's not there, I'm not going to eat it. You know what I mean? So it's true. If it's if it's around, you'll eat it. It's the same thing with like. I find I was like like I gave up drinking. What is it? May now like seven months ago, maybe. And I was finding during the first lockdown, I was just, it was so readily available. And I kept it stocked that I was drinking like three to six drinks a night easily. And on the weekends, when you're actually drinking, drinking like, oh, let's have fun now. Finally, it's a weekend. Yay. Then you're drinking like 12 to 20 drinks sometimes. And I found just because it was around, and a lot of my friendships were based around alcohol that it was just comfortable. So it's like, yeah, it's if it's there, it generally you're going to eat it or consume it, whether it's food, alcohol, cigarettes, marijuana, <laughs> it does pick your poison. No, it's so true. And and I like that you say that. And I've saved myself money. You know, I, the last thing, like I was using marijuana for a while for my depression, anxiety, but it was actually after I started therapy a couple months ago, it was actually causing me more anxiety and stuff like that, just because of everything else I'd put into my body over the years, you know, the hard drugs, so once I got rid of that, it's actually been a lot better. And then on the right medication for my ADHD with my doctor. And then I was yeah. a little pissed off because my benefits didn't cover a lot of the the new medication. But because it's, there's no generic brand, it's just one brand, but it's one of the best ones you can get. And my doctor looked at me when I said, well, this shit's so much money. And he says, looked at me, he says, Chris, how much money do you spend on drugs, booze, marijuana a month? And he says, tell me that. And then I just shut up. <laughs> You're just like, okay, all right, fair yeah. enough. Fair but enough. no, I'm on the right medication now and life's so much better when you just focus on the good things and, you know, don't worry about the past because you can't, you know, not that you don't have to worry about the past because the past has made me who the man I am today, but I can't like dwell in the past. You know what I mean? You can, you, you need to live in the present is what I meant. It's it's so true. Have you, um have you ever read the book, The Power of Now? No. It's literally the whole premise of the book is exactly what you just said. So it's just like everyone get it from the library. It's it's it was a I'll be honest, Chris, I like the book, but I think it went over my head a little bit at times. It's it's like very, very he's a very enlightened man. Definitely. I'll put it that way. But you definitely will get a lot of nuggets of takeaways. But the premise would be so many people are so focused on the present or, or the sorry, the past and the future that nobody's actually living in the present, which is like the only place that actually truly exists. Like nothing exists except for the present. What he's saying is like the ego is what drives us to live in the past and the present because the story we tell ourselves that is, but it's not the truth. It's not who we are. It's who we tell ourselves we are. 
So it's like, that's the the exact premise of that book. And you just nailed it on the head. (laughs) Nice. Thanks, man. No, and and I like that you say that, like about being egoless, because you're, you know, fear and ego, as I've learned through, you know, therapy and, you know, talking to addictions counselors, fear and ego is what drives addiction. It's it's true. Well, I mean, fear and ego is why a lot of people do things that they think they want to do, but they don't actually want to do. So it's like when you look at an example I love giving is I remember being in Vietnam in Dalat in the middle of the country. I'm hanging out, having like beers on a patio with friends. And I see this like look over and see this like really poor looking street. And we go down this street and we see all these people that literally look like they have nothing. But the biggest thing that they have is they have a smile from here to here. And they're laughing with each other, having a ball, and they're talking to us, and they're engaging us, and they're like, they wanted to like, they're all like, yo, do you need directions? Like, they were just super friendly and helpful. And I was like, these people got nothing, but they got everything. And then you have people with the newest Yeezys and the newest iPhone uh, that have the best job that make $500,000 a year, but they are miserable. And that's all ego. That's all it is. It's just ego. It's so true, man. If, if, if you're doing something you know, like Liam and I are talking about, but if you're doing something today that you don't love, then it's time to maybe think and, you know, find something that you do like to do and get rid of that ego though, because ego is what drives so many people to hating that what they do or their job and stuff like that. You know what I mean? I could be happy, you know, there could be someone out there happy doing, making 45 grand a year and they're just super happy with their job and, you know, they don't need anything else. And there's lots of people out there like that. And then there's that guy, like you said, that makes 500,000 a year but is the most miserable prick out there. Everyone gets fulfilled by different reasons, but if you can find out what pushes your buttons and align your life in a way that goes that way, you're going to live a very happy and fulfilled life. And I think that's the ultimate measure of success. It has to be. I love that you say that. Well, before we go today, Liam, you know, it was an amazing time chatting with you. Where can everyone find you on social media so they can follow this journey of yours leading up to this race and beyond? The best place I'd say to follow me would probably be uh, Instagram is my most frequent. So just Liam McVarnick. Uh, there's not many McVarnicks in the world. So <laughs> if you search me up, I'll be the top one. Uh, but it's L-I-A-M-M-C-V-A-R-N-O-C-K. Uh, and that's the same handle for literally Facebook, Instagram. Uh, my, my website's the same handle. Everything's just at Is it at dot com or dot ca? Dot com. Um, okay. So it's, you can find me everywhere there if you want to engage with me. Um, send me a message. I, I will answer you actually. So like, I, I love chatting with people. Uh, and that's it. Uh, thank you. And before we go, what are three things you do for yourself on a daily that keeps your mental health in check? Um, number one is easy for me to think of. And that's uh, movement exercise I was having a shitty day Monday, long story short. And I was going to skip my workout. I went for a run that night at like 11 o'clock at night, came back, felt like a million dollars just by running. Simple as that. I can't, I'm not going to explain the science, but you have to experience it for yourself, but move your body. It helps Two, learn new skills. I'm obsessed with learning new things. And I find when I'm growing, I'm happy. So like when I'm reading subjects on new books, even if it's like something like outside of your usual wheelhouse, learning new skills, a human with a purpose is a happy human. Uh, so new skills is a good thing. Number three is eat good food, eat nutritious food. Every week I I like to meal prep. I like to set some time aside for myself to eat healthy, nutritious foods that make me feel good about myself. Uh, Not even like weight loss or muscle gain, not even any of the surface level crap. Literally, like you feel good inside when you eat something good. So every week I take three hours aside. I meal prep. I get a little bit baked. Sorry, not sorry. 
<laughs> I throw on some Latin music, I'll dance around and I'll cook for myself. And then during that whole week, if I'm busy, I can reach in my fridge and grab that food that's ready. And I feel good about that. So exercise, learn a new skill and eat nutritious foods. I like that you say meal prep and, you know, I'm trying to get better at that, especially with barbecue season, buy a whole oh, bunch of meat. You know, the other the day best. I had, I think we did, a, I did like, I think darn near close to 20 schnitzel, chicken schnitzels, man. And, you know, some burgers and whatever else, but that, and chicken cutlets and stuff. And then you have yeah. it through the week though. And you can pick, you know what I mean? And cause I go to work, I, I'd rather just reach in the fridge and grab a couple things and throw it in the lunch bag and go to work, man. So. It's the best feeling in the world when you've had a long day or even like a shitty day and you can just reach in, grab that, not have to cook, but you're not eating junk when you do that process. If there's one thing you can do for yourself, do that. Invest then, your time in the beginning. Yeah, exactly. And then usually I'm, I'm, I love pasta still. I don't care. I love those carbs once in a while. I'm the Italian carbs, but I, hey, that's I'll cool. take like that leftover meat and just fry up, or like saute up some veggies, some noodles and throw it all in a pot together and. Make your own little goulash or whatever you got. <laughs> Magnificent. <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming on the show today, man. I truly appreciate your time and your story was amazing, man. Chris, I'm so grateful that you you had me on here and we got to tell this in a different light and that I got to learn more about you. And I'm excited to meet you in person when this all ends. Thank you so much, man. I hope you have a great rest of your day. Thanks, Chris. Take care. I hope you enjoyed today's episode, guys. It was a doozy. I learned so much from Liam. You know, he just brings so much compassion. He's empowering. And I love what he's doing down there on the East Coast and beyond. Go support his cause. You know, September 17th is when he's hopefully doing this double plus Ironman race with him and a few buddies to raise money. He's hoping to raise a hundred plus thousand dollars for big brothers and big sisters of the East Coast of Canada. What an awesome cause, Liam. Keep up the great work. A little bit about the next guest, though. We got Angelo Cisco from the Alpha Hippie Podcast. This man brings so much love. He talks about, you know, what it was like growing up in the streets of Chicago with a father that was in and out of jail most of his childhood. But this guy's overcome so much. Got in a serious motorcycle accident that almost ended his life many years ago but strap it yourself in and you will not want to miss this next episode with angelo cisco guys stay tuned and if you want to check out his podcast go check out the alpha hippie podcast or follow him on instagram at alpha hippie take care guys have a great rest of your day